In this week's message, we will begin to speak of the attributes of God. Now, attributes are simply qualities used to provide a description of what someone or something is like. The Bible specifically reveals one of the main attributes of God as one that is the hub from which all of his other attributes flow. We are, of course, speaking of the holiness of God. Welcome, I'm Pastor Will Hunsaker, and you are listening to Brand of Man, building one disciple at a time for the cause of Christ, not through the agencies of man, but by the grace of God. Let us pray. Almighty God, we bow our heads before you and place your name above all things. We pray, merciful Father, that you enlighten our souls to your holiness. And we petition you to give us eyes to see and ears to hear the revelations of yourself. Amen. When we use attributes to describe someone, it, it often goes something like this. If I were to tell you my son is a kind and gentle man, or my daughter is a beautiful and faithful woman, I would be describing them by their attributes. This is the beauty of the Bible. It is the medium God has used to reveal himself to us. And the knowledge we gain from these revelations is life-changing. So throughout your reading, you will find that many theologians outline the attributes of God by placing them into categories, such as the power of God and goodness of God. And then they break down these categories even further. I'm not going to do that. Instead, over the next several weeks, we will discuss a few of God's attributes the Bible explicitly highlights, but by no means will we exhaust the entire list. So R.C. Sproul ascribes God's holiness to his entire being as one utterly separate from everything. The Hebrew word for holiness is kadosh, and the Greek is hagios. Both of these words indicate complete and absolute separateness. However, the meaning goes much further in reference to God. Holiness is much more than a a mere description of God, because it is God who is the standard of what is holy. It is why his very name, is distinct in this regard. Jesus emphasized this point when he instructed his apostles on how to pray. He said, When you pray, say, Father, holy is your name. Luke chapter 11, verse 2. The implication from Jesus here was God's holiness should lead all our thoughts of him. Now, the Bible is saturated, I mean literally saturated, with references dedicated to the majestic and distinct nature of God. They speak to his absolute moral purity above all creation. However, most biblical scholars will agree that out of all scripture, Isaiah chapter 6 is by far the most glorious depiction of God's holiness. So we'll read beginning with verse 1 of Isaiah chapter 6. And this is of Isaiah's vision of God. 
In the year of King Uzziah's death, I saw the Lord sitting on a throne, lofty and exalted, with the train of his robe filling the temple. So in this verse, we see the king of Israel is dead, Uzziah. He's died. The nation would undoubtedly be distraught at the loss of their king. Uzziah was considered a good king. So God gives the prophet Isaiah a vision of the one true sovereign king himself. So Isaiah sees God sitting at the royal place of power in a noble and superior station, his throne. The vision is depicted in the temple of Israel where God is present and active. Then Isaiah sees the symbol of God's glory and sovereignty. It's the train or the length of his robe. And he fills the entire temple. So the implication here is that there is no room in the temple for anything other than God. We read on. Seraphim stood above him, each having six wings, two which cover his face, and with two he covered his feet, and with two he flew. Now, in Isaiah chapter 6, we find here that the only biblical verses to mention by name the seraphim, which means the ones of fire. The point is, the seraphim are considered very powerful angelic beings whose reverence for God is so great they covered anything that would appear impure in the presence of his holiness. Then, from their position of attendance above him, they call out three times an announcement of God's holiness. And one called out to another and said, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is full of his glory. Now, let us notice here that the seraphim did not call out to God. Rather, they called to each other, further emphasizing the distinct and complete separateness of God to all things. Now, did you know that this is the only one of two times when a threefold acknowledgement is given of one of God's attributes? The second time is in Revelation. Both times it takes place in the presence of God, and both times signifying his complete and infinite holiness. In Hebrew literature, stating something three times in repetition emphasizes its excellence and supremacy. As a result, the seraphim are, are not merely stating God is holy. They're declaring God is very, very, very holy. Listen to one other declaration by the seraphim in this verse. The whole earth is full of his glory. That's the end of that verse. The glory of God is a physical display of his holiness. It is the distinct fullness of God made public. And the seraphim make known it fills the whole earth. So Isaiah's vision continues with the effect this announcement had. 
And the foundation of the thresholds trembled at the voice of him who called out, while the temple filled with smoke. Now, we are told here that at the very announcement of God's majesty and holiness, that the foundations of his divine place trembled and was filled with his presence. Then we come to the terrifying part of Isaiah's vision. What happens to man when he finds himself in the presence of holiness? R.C. Sproul calls this type of an encounter the trauma of holiness. Rightfully so. Isaiah continues, and it's clear, he is cut deep in his soul. Then I said, woe is me, for I am ruined. I am a man of unclean lips, and I live among a people of unclean lips. For my eyes have seen the King, the Lord of hosts. Folks, when the sinful man is brought into the presence of holiness, there is only one result. Anguish. Reality can be an unpleasant thing, as the holiness of God exposes every raw nerve of our sinful nature. Even that which comes from our mouths becomes unclean. And the greater the presence of holiness, the greater the exposure of our sinful nature. Let's take the account from Mark chapter 4. As the apostles and Jesus were crossing the sea, they encountered a very fierce storm. I guess it would be safe to say a very, very, very fierce storm. Now, these were seasoned fishermen, and even they were afraid and thought they were all going to die. And again, Jesus was with them, but he was fast asleep in the back of the boat. Now, the apostles, consumed by fear, they woke Jesus up. And upon rising, Jesus addressed the wind and the sea directly. He said this, he said, hush, be still. And the wind died down and it became perfectly calm. Mark chapter 4, verse 39. Now, one would think that the apostles would have been very grateful having their fear been put to rest, but not so. They found themselves in the presence of absolute holiness. Let's read of their reaction. They became very much afraid and said to one another, Who then is this that even the wind and the sea obey him? Mark chapter 4, verse 41. So we see that their fear really did not improve. It became worse. And they did not address Jesus directly. Rather, they addressed each other of their own fear. Now let's look at one more verse as we see how God response to our anguish in the presence of his holiness. We read in in Luke 5 of an encounter between Jesus and the first disciples at Lake Gennesaret. The focus is on the apostle Peter, but there are others there, namely James and John. Peter had been fishing all night without really any success and, and was most likely pretty tired when Jesus climbed into his boat. We'll pick up the encounter in verse 4. It says this, Now when he had finished speaking, he being Jesus, 
He said to Simon, Simon being Peter, Put out into the deep water and let down your nets for a catch. Simon responded and said, Master, we worked hard all night and caught nothing. But I will do as you say and let down the nets. Luke chapter 5, verses 4 and 5. Now, needless to say, at Jesus' direction, Peter hauled in so many fish that he had to call other boats to help him so he didn't sink. And they almost ended up sinking as well with the amount of fish they caught. Now, let's see how Peter responded, being in the presence of the holiness of God. But when Simon Peter saw this, he fell down at Jesus' knees, saying, Go away from me, Lord, for I am a sinful man. Luke chapter 5, verse 8. You see, folks, our sinful nature cannot be in the presence of holiness. It just simply cannot. Notice Jesus did not reprimand Peter in any way. He did not judge Peter. He did not judge his sinful nature. Jesus did not hold his own holiness above Peter like a weight ready to crush him. No. Jesus simply said, Do not fear. From now on, you will be catching people. Luke chapter 5, verse 10. Now, as I said earlier, there were other disciples there, namely James and John. Let's see how they responded to this. We read in the very next verse. When they brought their boats to land, they left everything and followed him. Luke chapter 5, verse 11. The absolute holiness of God we see here convicted Peter in his sin. And it did the same to Isaiah in his vision. And in both cases, and, and countless others, it regenerated the sinner, leading them away from the servitude of sin and into the love of God. This is the holiness of God, the moral purity of God. Folks, the holiness of God can be seen in every one of his revealed attributes. It touches every biblical principle from creation through salvation to the end of days and beyond. It represents nothing short of God's absolute moral purity and his distinction from all of creation. We, as believers, must proclaim the infinite holiness of God above all things and place it front and center in our thoughts of him. And one called out to the other and said, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is full of his glory. Thank you for listening. And may the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face shine on you and be gracious to you. May the Lord lift up his countenance on you and give you peace. Amen. If you've enjoyed listening to this episode of Brand of Man, please subscribe as we will proclaim the holiness of God and continue to bring you biblical truths each and every week. 
God bless you all. And next week on Brand of Man, we will discuss God's grace and mercy. <laughs>